Hey everyone, another episode of Dirt Talk for you today, like every week, trying to keep it consistent. It's a lot of work, but we are getting it done. A lot of cool people to talk to. So this week, we got Mr. Nick Frederick. He is the Vice President of Witek Excavating out of Crete, Illinois. They operate all over um, Chicago area and a little bit further than that. Nick, thanks for joining us on this uh, beautiful Saturday morning. Yeah, uh, thanks, Aaron. Honored to, to be a part of this. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but uh, but you're here, so I, I appreciate hey. you taking an hour. Absolutely. Well, um, can you just, before we get into who you are, what you do, can you just explain um, the business, where you guys are at this year, what, what the business actually looks like, your, your mass excavation, so you guys just specialize in moving dirt, right? Yeah, yeah, that's our that's our niche. That's what we do well. Um, so we we focus on mass earth projects, mainly in the uh, um, industrial, commercial, mining, um, landfill, uh, residential site development sectors. Yep. Um, stick. Yeah, we stick to that. That's that's what we do well. That's what we've we've done well for a long time. Um, and we're we're looking to possibly diversify some more. But for right now, we're gonna we're gonna stick to the mass earth. Love it. You got you're unique because a lot of the people I talk to on this show have been, and a lot of our partners, you know, a lot of them now. They're um, their their last name is the company, so it's like you know the last episode I just had Garrett Moss, you know Moss Utilities, and there's a lot of these younger guys like your age that have started these companies. I don't know five ten years ago, are blowing and going, um, or or we've talked to some of the people, you know, the next generation. So my dad was doing it or my, my granddad was doing it. You are the next generation of Wittek, but you are not uh, the the son of the founder. You're, you're the son-in-law. So how did you get involved in the company to begin with? Yeah, great question. Um, I've known uh, Tom Whitfoot, who's our president he's, and my father-in-law. We uh, met each other in our families met in church. We all went to uh, the local church here in Crete. So that's where our families met. Us kids went to school together. I met my wife at church in sixth grade. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we dated in high school, started dating in high school. And then we started working for Wittek in high school. Um, it's kind of all, I think I was working I think I was dating my, like, I, I have to get this one right because I'll, I'll get, I'll get crud for it. But I think I was working, I was working here before I started dating my wife. Okay. My, my, it might, my wife might tell me it's the opposite. It was all very close. But anyway, started, started working here, started dating my wife, went through high school. And then um, about into one or two years into college, um, I was going to uh, Purdue here in Hammond, Indiana at night and still working. My wife was attending uh, Trinity Christian College. We got married, I think we were into our second year of college. Really? Yeah. I stopped. I, I didn't finish. My wife kept going. She ended up getting a bachelor's degree in math and a minor in theology. Holy smokes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I have a, have a educated, very educated wife. She's a, she's an awesome woman and she supports me. She's, she's a strong woman of faith. Just an awesome partner to be in life with. Uh, growing but, up, were you involved in dirt construction, or you met met this family, and then that's when you got involved in in the earthwork world? No, so I, I, I uh, nobody in my family was in the dirt business. Mm. But I, as a kid, you know, I I, I loved the tractors. When our subdivision was being built in the early '90s, where we grew up, the company that was digging all the house basements um, we were we were very fairly close with and he would he would leave his 953 in front of our house on purpose so that I could me and my brother and some of these other neighborhood kids can could play with them you know nice. crawl on them yeah. mess with them yeah. you know and then uh, if he had time we'd actually you know take us around and and do stuff like grade the finished grade in a house basement or something simple nothing too complicated so I would say that that was like maybe my the earliest experience for me, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't a family thing. I didn't uh, I didn't grow up in an earthworks family. It kind of all started early high school. 
you know, maybe my freshman year of high school. Really started, I would see these large earthwork contractors. Some of them we compete with today, but I really never thought that uh, back then. We'd be here today, but yeah, just, just driving to school in the morning and be running down the local highway here and see these massive dirt jobs, just a ton of yellow iron going back and forth and just, just being totally blown away at just the coordination, the power and just the mass, just the change that you see in one day, you know, go from just, oh, that was a cornfield this morning and then be heading home from school that night and there's a pond there and, and, and not a baby pond either. Um, so I think that's what started really getting my gears rolling to, to wanting to, to get involved in it. And it all kind of fell into place. You know, I, knowing that uh, Tom had a company like this, super interested in getting involved um, and, and, and working towards it. So I started here in uh, my sophomore year of high school, right when I got my license, and then um, did small things around here. Uh, we had a landscape and materials yard. People come in and uh, get rock or topsoil. I learned a lot from my wife's grandfather. He was a big mentor for me. Um, that was Pete Whitfoot. And uh, he was always there in the yard, you know, just did, he kind of ran that, that small little portion of our business then. So learned a, learned a lot from him and just stuck with it. Just what can I do? You know, listen to the, listen to the guys around you. Eventually got into the laborers union when I graduated high school and started as a laborer then out on the job sites, you know, checking grade. Uh, we weren't big with GPS, couldn't really afford it at the time. Uh, as a just a startup, you know, we started in 2001. So by the time I was out of high school, it was 2007. So we were still still kind of a young company, getting our um, name out there. So yeah, check and grade the old way, you know, hub and lat, you know, hubs and levels, stick rulers, pulling tapes, string line. Um, that's how we checked our grade, and I, I, I'm appreciative to understand that concept. And we still we still tell guys, uh, even with GPS, it's, GPS is just the a tool to help us be more efficient and uh, and to be better. But at the end of the day, we still need to understand the concept of knowing how to check grade and, and grade itself, you know? Yeah. So yeah. And then got into the operators union um, a few years after that and um, was able to spend some time on a 621 B scraper for oh, a few yeah. years. Yeah. That is yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. That's, that's comfort and uh, luxury right there. It was. Yeah, it was. You know, you get some of the guys that won't, don't really tell you what the uh, cushion hitch is for. So you run your first you run your first half of your day without a cushion hitch going up a landfill. Yeah. Uh, you know, just just the just fun parts of being a young, young whippersnapper and the old timers just just get, you know, having some fun with you. But uh, no, I appreciate all those times, you know, so did that time in the seat was uh Great experience for me. Learned a lot. And then uh, eventually, as the company grew, you know, we just needed, we just needed more, you know, more managers, more people watching out for, you know, what, what's the direction of the company and, and things like that. So I, I, I moved into the office and around uh, 2012, 2013 timeframe as a, just a project manager, estimator, and learning from my father-in-law you know, what he knew and on, in that world. How's and that's it, kind of adapting. How's it, how's it been? But, like, like, you know, you were, you were dating his daughter back when you started. So, so you were just dating before you guys got married. How was that? Like working for your, your girlfriend's father? Is it, was it difficult? Was it, was it just like, just natural? Or what was that? What was that dynamic like? I mean, obviously it was difficult at first. You'd obviously have the target on your back. Yeah. You know, you're the guy dating the boss's daughter. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that, that definitely happened. <laughs> um, it just takes time to just, just, you have to prove yourself. And I felt like you have, I have a close friend of mine who's extra operations manager here at Wittek and he was in a similar, similar situation most of his life too. You almost have to prove yourself more to people. Mm-hmm. And I, and I kind of appreciated it. You know, you had to just try harder to gain people's respect. And that just motivated me, you know, to just, to just do better. You know, it, it, if I could, if I could gain people's respect and trust knowing that I'm, 
you know, I'm dating the boss's daughter. Then I, then I kind of felt like I was doing my part, you know? So yeah, it's of course the beginning was, it was rough. You know, you got the comments, you know, it's all, it was definitely there, but um, it just motivated me more to, to try to thrive. And, and uh, there were great, we, we had great guys at that time that were still like, they give you a hard time, but it would definitely still be there and help me, you know, teach me even knowing the situation. So, well, it makes you, yeah. it makes you an easy target. I feel like people look for things to somewhat discredit people. So, you know, as you're moving up, especially it's like, well, of course he's moving up. He's, he's, you know, married to the, the guy's daughter. Like, yeah, why wouldn't he be moving up? But in reality, you know, you'd been busting your ass for a decade you know, longer than that now and, and gone through the ranks of, you know, trying out college wasn't for you. Then you went to laborers union, then you went to operators, operators union, then you moved in the office. I mean, you've done your time just like anyone else would. There's really no, uh, th- there's no exceptional treatment there. It seems like. No, there wasn't. There wasn't. Um, yeah. So it, it, like, it's like I said, it just makes you, people are always going to have an opinion and you, you can decide for yourself what you're going to do with that. You know, you can either crawl on a ball and give up or, you know, you could just go to work every day and keep working hard. And that's, you know, like I grew up pretty well off. And, and so I was always afraid of t- talking about it because I didn't want it. I didn't want people to use it to just discredit, discredit me, especially when I started out as a laborer when I was 18, um, right out of high school, I, I was super careful uh, about, I, I, I pretty much hid where I lived and, and everything about my life from everyone I worked with for the first few years of, of working in the industry because I was so afraid that they would they would not view me like them and it would put me behind. Now I'm pretty open about it because it's just reality. It's just how I, how I grew up. But early on, I was super careful about talking about it and instead just proving myself and, and showing my worth based on my work and, and how much I'd put in every single day at work rather than where I was from or who I was or anything like that. Yeah. Well, and I think it makes you, you're, you're better for it. You know, you see there's, there's, there's sometimes maybe something to be said about somebody coming in from the outside. You know, maybe you, maybe you weren't, you weren't born and raised in the environment. It's maybe why generations of family businesses don't succeed. Yeah. You, you kids just, either were burned out because dad was always gone or mom was always gone or just, it's just, that was just life. And you, you grew up with it and you just, it was just normal and it didn't interest you. It doesn't get you fired up. So you don't do anything with it. You know, for me, it was, I was just blown away at the, the industry itself and so um, interested in it that I just, I wanted to, I wanted to get involved with it and wanted to, wanted to do something with, with, you know, a, a business, you know, an opportunity that was in front of me Yep. and I was given all those opportunities. So, I mean, you, at the end of the day, you need opportunity as a person, yep. you know, everybody needs opportunity, but it's what you do with that opportunity. When you, when you see, you gotta be able to see it, you gotta be able to go with it, you know, with going back to college real quick at what point in time did you decide all right you know I've tried this and it's not really going to serve me past what I've already done like how did you come to that decision of I don't think I'm going to finish this I'm just going to go work Um, so when I was in when I graduated high school was 2007 and I want to say when we started to see some economic downturn was uh not not too much longer after that um in 2000 it might've been a little bit later. So 2008, 2009 in college, I was seeing friends ahead of me, you know, maybe freshman, senior in college, they get out of college with their degrees and there's nothing there for them. Mm. You know, there wasn't opportunity, yeah. you know, it was, it was a downed economy. There, 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 what people were hiring, but it was, it was very scarce, you know? And uh, for me, I had this, I had this opportunity already with Wittek, with this fan, with you know our, this family business, and I'm sitting in a classroom, you know, doing a general elective because I had finished all my um, majority of my core classes, um, engineering and construction management classes early on. 
So then I just had these general electives and these totally irrelevant subjects. And maybe some people will disagree with me on that, but I, I just, I saw the opportunity that I had and I didn't really, I wasn't really interested in putting any more effort into school. And I wanted to start putting all my effort into, into learning the business, you know, and growing in the business. Yep. So that's why I moved on, you know. Well, it's interesting. Even the economy is good right now, but I've seen from personal experience, a lot of my friends, they went and got these degrees. And, and even when the economy's good, even when there's a lot of jobs, record low unemployment, or, or there was a few years ago before all, everything this year happened, the jobs that they were getting were totally, uh, totally different than their degrees. So they go out, they, they get this degree, they try to find a job in that field, that job doesn't really exist, so then they end up in whatever other jobs available. Um, that's totally irrelevant to what they just studied for four years. So they're not really using the degree to get the job. It's because the jobs don't even exist a lot of times for these degrees that they're getting. So even even in a good economy, that situation still exists, that these kids are not all, all they're not any more prepared for a particular career than they were before, other than just being more well-rounded as a human being, maybe more socially equipped, maybe more uh, have had greater abilities to make decisions. But as far as preparation and technical ability for a career, I don't see it very much, even, even when things are good. No, and they're probably not passionate about it either. Yeah. You know, whatever they went into the, the biggest thing that I could see for me um, with other people or with hiring people here or, or wherever, you're, wherever you're looking, you have to be passionate about the work you're doing. Yeah. You, you do it your whole life, you know, and to, to not be passionate about what you're putting all your energy into most of your day, you know, you, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to do that. So. Well, and there's, <laughs> it, there's careers you can get away with not being passionate and, and, and still still do just fine. Sure. I mean, you're not going to enjoy it. It's going to be kind of a miserable 40 plus years, but you can you can get away with it. Whereas in in the blue collar world, in construction, you can't really get away with it. I mean, you really do have to have the bug for it because there's a lot of days where it sucks and, and the work is really hard and the conditions are miserable and the problems seem insurmountable. And if you don't have that bug, if you're not really there for something beyond the money, it, 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 you just look at it, you're like, well, why am I even doing this? You have to have some, you have to be bought into this industry to be successful long-term in it. I'm a firm believer in that. Whereas a lot of other industries, I don't think that's, that's the case. No, I would, that's a hundred percent correct. And we talk about that here all the time. The, the industry will wear you out. And if you're, if you don't have a passion for it, if you don't want to be a part of it, it you won't. It'll 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 kick you right out. Yep. The hours are long. The stress levels are high. The environment, like you said, it's it's we're in we're in Chicago. We're uh, forty minutes south of the city, and the weather is whatever. It's hot. It's cold. It's snowing. It's raining. It it's never really just nice yep. around here. Yeah. So yeah, it's just. You, you have to, you have to want to, to be a part of it. You're away from your family a lot, you know, the, out, some of our guys, you know, they could live in, I don't, you name it. And they have to travel an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours to the job site. And then they go and they put in a 10 hour day, sometimes a 12 hour day. And then they turn around and drive home. I mean, that put, you know, add that up. It's, yep. it's not a lot of family time. So yeah, it's it, it's it's a tough industry, but you know, I, it's it's super rewarding too. I mean, you just you talk to these dude, old timers. Um, Ashley's my wife's grand grandpa, and even even my father in law. You know, just the you get you get the guys these guys driving down the road, and I you know we we did that. You know, we did that job. You know, oh, I remember when we did that job. There was a oh, there was a there was a pond in that job that the ground was just total muck and you know we had to we got this stuck and just hearing the stories you know and then the, the how they what was the solution you know yep. what they did and there's always something you know always you know so and so did it this way and then he broke that and then yeah it, and on and on it goes you know but you, you could see still when they're that age the the passion's still there you know and there's a sense of pride and 
you know, Hey, we, but we got that job done, you know, and, 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 and look at it now, you know? So, yeah. So the answer to, to circle back on everything you have to, in this industry, you have to want to be a part of it. It's not just something where it's like, well, I'll just do it because my dad did it. My mom did it. You know, it, it eventually, eventually it'll wear you out. Well, and to circle back even further, why, why companies in this industry don't often succeed with, with multiple generations is that even though you grew up in the business, you're not necessarily in love with the business. So the, the, the expectation is that you're the son a lot of times of the guy and, and you are going to be in charge of the business. But, but what happens when you're not all that excited about it? What happens if you wanted to go pursue something else? You're just naturally, uh, you're, you're naturally supposed to go pursue another path. It's like the nature versus nurture. You can be nurtured in a construction background, but maybe it's just not in your nature. And yet when you try to force that, round peg into a, a square hole, you, you just, it's not going to succeed a lot of times. I think that's really the biggest reason why some of these businesses don't succeed is that the, the, the former generation just expects their offspring to go to love it as much as they do because they were born into it. And a lot of times it's just not, not that way generation to generation. No, that's a, that's a hundred percent. Um, and Tom will say that a lot too. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I have to remember that, you know, I have four, I have four kids, you know, three boys, one girl, you know, and at the end of the day, you, you need to, you need to look out for the people that, uh, the, your, your employees that are here, your employees that are putting in the time, the effort and have helped you build something. You know, I, all the credit to what Wittek has done and, uh, 2020 has been the best year that Wittek's ever had, ever. And uh, all that credit is to everybody, all of our people, you know, from the top on down. And the last thing you want to do as a business owner is start bringing people, kids, you know, your children into a business if they're not passionate about it. So there definitely has to be that that thought process in, in, in a business owner's head of, do I think they're passionate enough, you know, or do, or do I have people here that are more passionate? You know, there's, there's a, there's a, a definite conversation, multiple conversations that that should be had to just make sure it's what you're, you know, it's what that next generation really, really wants, you know, and and if they do great run with it, but if they don't, you know, you need to, there's, you need to, it's not the end all be all, you know, start looking at your other options. You know, you have these great people within your organization that have helped you your whole journey. There's lots of options there. And you look at people who are employee owned, you know, it's, there's, there's, there's all kinds of things you can do. So yeah. I think, uh, having an open mind on, you know, being open-minded as, as you move from generation to generation is, is key. Well, being, I mean, I'm young, but I still think about this and I don't have children. I, I don't even have a woman that I'm looking at being like, yep, I could marry that woman. So I am way, way, way off. But, um, I, I, I think and, and maybe this will change, but I don't want my kids involved in the business. I mean, if they, and I'm going to have this business, I don't really have an exit strategy. This is what I'm, I'm confident I'll be doing the next 40 years. So I can at least say that I, I, if they want to be in the business, they can go apply for a job. I'm not going to say, no, you can't be in the business, but at the same time, I'm really going to shy away from getting them involved in the company at the same time. Cause I just want them to do what they are supposed to do. And if they are supposed to do what, what we're doing, then that's awesome. There'll be a path for them and they can go apply and just like anyone else can go work their ass off and succeed. But otherwise, I just, I want to stay away from it as much as possible because it, it works real great a lot of times, but I've seen a lot of other times where it just gets ugly and uh, it just, it doesn't work out. With with your father-in-law, did he have any any children? I know it's, I know your wife you know, daughter, were there any other kids involved in the business at all? Or was there really no, no succession plan there? No, uh, none of the other, they're, they're, my wife has uh, two other siblings um, and just really never showed that much interest in the company Yeah, at that point in time. But uh, no, it, it's, it, it's, it's tough, but you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful for kind of being the son-in-law and having to, I was you know, you're, you're more or less forced to then work your way up. You know what I'm saying? As if you're the son and in some businesses, not to give myself any pat on the back. It's not what I'm, you know, about at all, but 
it's just if, if I can, I've learned that if I can do the same thing or that Tom did is, it, hey, you need to start here. This is where you need to start down there, picking rocks out of a bin or loading a landscape truck or shoveling stone on the job site or, or checking grade. You need to, or greasing, you know, doing oil changes, what, what have you, fixing hoses. That's where I truly believe you need to start you know, and, and, and work your way up. So that way you understand every aspect to a degree. There's always going to be somebody else in your business. That's going to hopefully do that better than you. You want to, you want to strive for that, but at least you understand the different facets of the business. So you can relate to your people, you know, when you get into the position of management, you know, if you can't relate to somebody, if you've never had that experience, in the field of, you, you know, what kind of sucks to do, you know, what things would be like when you ask somebody as a manager to do something, you know, if that's already going to be a pain or if you, you, you have that experience already and, and you'll have that respect from your, from employees. If they know you were there, you've been there, you've, you've done that, you know? So I would, I wouldn't, you know, I'm encouraged, you know, to, with my kids or, you know, even even our we, we talk a lot about we have uh, our employees you know their their kids are starting to, to come into the family into this company into this business yep. but th- there's a it's really important just to get those grassroots form a foundation you know get you know get into it get dirty understand what it takes you know and and then move from there no that's going to let you know if you're passionate about it or not when you're when you're at the bottom well, and, and actually doing it too, it, it just gives you a, a form of self-confidence that you can't uh, artificially create or buy or anything like that. Like if I were to say, yeah, Nick, you don't, you don't know what you're doing. Like you're just, you know, you just got, got this because, you know, you, you were, you just got lucky. It's like me saying that to you, you, you wouldn't even have to defend yourself because you just know, like, no, I've done it. And I have this confidence that's rooted in, no, I, I've, I've been at the bottom and I've, I've, I've put in my time. And, and, and that allows you to make higher level decisions that allows you to, you know, if someone does try to come after you, you can just pretty easily dismiss it without getting in your head about it. it it's just, it's, um, it, it brings a piece to everything and, and to the disorder later on when you know that you've done it, you can do it and, and you know what it takes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're not necessarily an ace. You know, you're not that ace dozer guy. You're not that ace estimator no, guy. No. You know, but you, it, that's what, that's what you're, you're hiring for. Yep. You know, if you were good at it, if you were the best at everything, what, who would you need? So, and you can't do it all yourself. It, it's just, yeah. Well, I, we, and going, going from that, we just had our little company meeting here last week. And so I went to our friends at Thompson Machinery, the cat dealer in middle Tennessee here and asked if we could rent a few pieces of equipment from them because most of our company, uh, a lot of these folks are marketing folks because we've realized we needed uh, a lot of skill sets outside of construction, obviously, to do what we do. A lot of them have never been in a piece of equipment. So they're they're telling the stories of all these people that run equipment and, and are in this industry every single day without having experienced it themselves. And it was, right. it was funny for me. I thought it would really just be, you know, they just have fun and this and that, but it really... It was amazing how much they got out of just running a skid steer for 15 minutes. It was this whole new level of understanding like, whoa, uh, this is this is way different than I imagine it being. And they have this whole new level of respect for the people that they're telling stories of with just such a small experience and doing what they do every day, uh, it, which sure. allows allows them to tell the story a lot better. So it was it was really cool to see how it shifted everyone's perspective so quickly when they actually stepped into these people's shoes and did, did their role for even just a few minutes. Now I will say a sidebar to this. I enjoyed the, uh, the Instagram stories. Uh, it, it was of, so much of fun. That day. That's, that's pretty awesome. Usually, usually I'm the one that likes to be in the equipment, but that day I just liked watching everyone, uh, and try to run these pieces of equipment for the first time. Cause it's just, it's hilarious if nothing else. Um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. How explain your explain your father in law? How you know what's what's he like? What's his vision like? What's his work ethic like? What's his personality like? What 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 is he like? Yeah, uh, uh, Tom is uh, 
one of the easiest people to work with, um, work for. He's humble. He's a man of faith. You know, we're, we could touch base on that more. Um, but the man of faith and his, his, he cares about you know, being respectful. He cares about that working hard. He cares about uh, being a man of his word. He's just integrity. You'd never hear it come out of him. He's the least prideful person I think I know. Yeah. Um, he, he just, he, he gives all the credit to, to the people here. You know, he, it's never him. You know, it's, it's the team. It's the people. He gives credit to God, you know, for blessing our company with, you know, what we have, you know, what we've been given, you know, he's, he's a good steward of the money, you know, of money of profits the year end, you know, give back. You know, we have, we have missions that we support and schools we support, um, all kinds of different things, jails, um, the, all kinds of things. And he, he's just been a great mentor to me just in that regard of just all those things. I just, I just stated he's, he's been willing to let me in, you know, he's been, he's been willing to, to let me kind of just release the, he called release the reins, you know, so to speak. Yep. Um, we laugh about it now a lot, you know, cause we still, we're, we're, we're polar opposite people in some regards. And then in other ways we're not, he's a lot more laid back and chill or I'm still, uh, feisty, I guess. But, uh, he had the, you know, he, he was able, I, I give him a lot of respect for being able to take something that he started and that he created and be able to let that go and, and let somebody else and not even his own son, you know, come in and change course, you know, change some direction in some regard, do things differently. Okay. Um, he's a, he's a pen and he's a, he'll tell you he's a, he's a yellow notepad and pencil kind of guy. So that's how we estimated, you know, that's how we, we used to do everything. And uh, now we do everything electronically, you know, using digital takeoff, you know, ag tech software, CAD files, HCSS for, for, for bidding and then GPS technology out in the field. So, but yeah, the, just a, a lot of respect for him to be able to kind of just open up his business to me and, and allow me to, to, you know, be a part of it and, and kind of take it from where he brought it to, you know? It, so, and, and it speaks a lot to his humility to do that. Cause you do really have to be extremely humble to just be able to step back and let other people learn and, and let other people create and, and, let other people do with what you created and, and not have to step in every step of the way. And you can, you can just, I don't know, your, your, your business, your guys's business overall is just really the, the humility from him goes all the way down to the bottom because everyone at the company, like you guys are, I, I now was, I was super, and I'm not just saying this, I, and I've texted you about this a few times after we visited the last site, the last site we went to, huge earth moving project. I mean, hundreds of thousands of yards of material. You guys are moving 15 to 25,000 yards a day on, um, uh, like a, a big industrial, like a commercial kind of like a warehouse sites job. This isn't like mining, for example. So that, uh, that yardage is, is a feat in itself, especially with the size of equipment you guys had. You had nothing more than a 50 ton excavator out there. You guys were so damn good. And it was such a well-oiled machine. One of the, the finest, operations I had seen. It was just such a treat being out there, even down to the truck drivers, how they knew which excavator to go to whenever. So, so no one was waiting. They knew that the dozer didn't really have to babysit these guys dumping up to, to where the fill was. The, the excavator operators were in this enormous cut that would have been a, a total challenge for most everyone that they were sideloading at the same level uh, you know, the excavator was sideloading these trucks and yet they were still banging these things out. Like it was no problem whatsoever. Everything about it was flawless. And yet you can just tell it's not really like a, yeah, we're really damn good at what we do. Like, yeah, we're, we're with tech. Like, yeah, let's bump chests. Like it's, it's none of that at all. You guys are just, you guys are just doing what you do. Yeah. No, I don't know absolutely. how to describe it better. It's just, yeah, it's, it's like this overwhelming sense of humility down to the grade checkers out there. 
Yeah, and it, I, well, and thank you for all the compliments. But um, it, it stems from the top. You know, you learn from you learn from your, the top, and and that comes from Tom. You know, and that's how that's how I'd like to continue to run the business. You know, as yeah. I as I've moved in, you know, it, it, I've learned from the best. To be honest, you know, quite frank, you know, I would I don't think I'd want to learn from anybody different. And his, his grand his dad was the same way. You know, grandpa was the same way. It's a little bit different personalities. You know, they operated a little bit differently, but the the end the end result though was still you know be a humble servant. You know, to your to your to your employees, to your clients, to God. You know that those those are those are characteristics that he cares about. Traits he he shows every day, and I, I would be thrilled if I could mimic half of it. Yeah. Now let's go. Let's go into to the role. Your, your guys' faith brings into how you operate the business, how you own the business, because it, it it carries a heavy, heavy weight. And, and I feel like it's a big piece of a lot of businesses in the industry, and yet it's one of those topics that is very rarely discussed, which I've always thought is fascinating. What's what's the role you guys play in the business? And and I, I you know, starting from day one, working with you guys and, and talking with Tom, I, I really like how open he is about how the business really isn't his. He's just, uh, you know, it's just been given to him. He's the caretaker of it. And, and he's, you know, kind of just being a faithful steward of what he's been given to, to give back to everyone in the community, all the families he supports and, and everything like that. Can you, can you just explain how you view faith and, and how it plays a role in the business? Absolutely. So faith is faith here at what tech is, for the managers, you know, the, the owners of the company is the center. You know, it, it, it is the most important thing that we have going on in our lives. So, you know, we, we want to be, like you had said, you know, we're, we're, we want to be good stewards of what the Lord's given, you know. And by doing that, you know, we, you, we're, we're being faithful. It's everything we do, you know, as, as business owners is to, you know, we do it to, to glorify God. So, you know, having that kind of having that mindset and that base of that foundation, everything else kind of just stems from that, you know, that helps you, you know, demonstrate running, running your business on ethical, you know, biblical, moral standards, you know, yeah. with finances, you know, with, with what you're paying people, you know, are you, are you paying people on time? Are you, are you holding money out too long? You know, you're playing games, maybe you shouldn't be. It's, it's a, uh, it's part of our motto too, you know, building with purpose, you know, moving dirt with purpose for me personally, for, um, Tom, you know, uh, Darren and other people too, but we, you, you need to have purpose in your life, you know, mm -hmm. and that purpose can be anything, but you, you, if you don't have a purpose for why you're doing something, it's kind of goes back to everything we talked about earlier on the call. You know, if you're just doing it without any purpose at all. It's, it's going to show, you know, it's going to show. So for me, you know, my purpose is, is what we're, what we're talking about here. You know, my purpose here on this earth is, is to, to glorify God with, with the work we're doing here at with that. So what does, that's kind of, what does glorify God mean to you? I mean, what is, what is that? What does that even mean? It, it's, it's just without, without preaching to you, yeah, I, definitely, yeah. I definitely don't want to get into, but uh, no, it's just, it's everything for, for, for us here as a, as a Christian, as a Christian family, you know, glorifying God is, is just basically giving is giving thanks to him for everything he's done for us, mm. you know. And, uh, you know, we, you know, we as uh, sinners, you know, on this earth, you know, we, we can't do anything on our own apart from God. Yep. So, um, you know, we have to, re we, we rely on him. You know, you rely on him for everything. So, and, and, and he's been, he's blessed this company greatly. He's, it's, it, it's unbelievable to be honest with you. So, and it helps us with just, just as, as a business, you know, you, you don't cut corners, you know, it helps, you don't, you don't, you, you produce quality work each and every day. You, you say you're going to do something, you do it. Mm -hmm. You know, there is no, there is no going back on your word. Yep. Um, those are all kind of biblical principles, but I, I think anybody can get behind those Christian or non-Christian, you know, um, it's, it's, it, it's important though. Um, it's important to have some purpose, some purpose in your life. I guess is how I'd like to leave that is, is, is sure that you're doing your, you're, you're going to work with some kind of purpose, whether it be for your family, 
you know, it, it could be a multitude of things, you know, you're going to, you're going to work for your, for your, for your family, for your kids, for your, for your spouse, for your, your own personal goal. I don't know. Trying to think of more things. I'm sure there's more, but yeah. Um, yeah. It, it is yeah. amazing. Uh, it, it is amazing though, how many people do uh, live without that higher purpose or do business without that higher purpose, whatever it may be. It's it's, there's a million different things that that purpose could be, but there's so many businesses out there and, and just people in general that don't really think about, all right, why, why am I actually doing this? Like, what's, what's the point? What do I want to really accomplish with my life? What's, why am I here? Why, why just asking that, that why, what, what's, what's the bigger picture here? What, I mean, this might be a ridiculous question, but do you think Wittek would be where it is without your guys's faith? If you remove that from the equation? Absolutely not. Yeah. No, we wouldn't. No, no, no. That's the, that's the, that's the easiest question you gave me today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I had to give you one softball. No, it's, uh, I, I knew that was the answer, but it's just, it's fascinating to think about how impactful it can be. Yeah. No, before, before the call, we talked a little bit about, you know, why you guys are, you know, just, just. I mean, thoughtful about how you guys talk about your faith in a public forum as a business. And, and I feel like a lot of business owners, a lot of people in general right now, they're, they're very, uh, they're very religious. They're very faith driven. That's, that's really their core purpose. And yet they, they don't talk about it publicly for what I think is kind of the same reason why you, you guys are careful, um, with talking about it publicly. What's, what, what's what's the reasoning behind just being cautious and, and thoughtful about how you guys approach religion as a business publicly with, with all your people, what's, what's, what's the thought process there? You know, you, you personally can make any decision you want for yourself. You know, you're in charge of your, you're in charge of yourself. You know, as we, as Christians want to kind of show you our faith, you know, by the way we maybe interact, you know, the way we talk to people, the way we run our business and then maybe bring up the question, you know, to people, you know, to, to question, why do you do this this way? Or why didn't you do that? You know, and, and then that kind of, that kind of sets up the opportunity to be able to then share why. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of how we go about it. So kind of sh- showing by example, you know, and then have the, have somebody ask you the question, yeah. you know, why, why? And then that sets up the conversation to talk mm-hmm. about faith and mm-hmm. to do it in a, in an, in an environment that's not hostile, it's not kind of like in your face, yep. you know, we absolutely do not do that. You know, there's a, there's a line there in business, you know? And, uh, so that, that's kind of how we navigate that. Gotcha. It's, and, and, uh, this is a, this is a principle that extends well beyond religion, but it is interesting living in a way that you shouldn't really need to tell everyone that you believe in this set of values or you're a Christian or anything like that. You should, they should just know based on how you live your life, your actions, how you, how you speak, how you take care of people. All the actions should point to exactly what you believe in, what your value system is uh, without you really having to say what it is. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, do we get it right all the time? Heck no. Yes. You know, I mean, do we, are we just as, are we just as, uh, Sinful as the next person, the person standing next to us. Sure. You know, absolutely. You know, so that's that too. You know, that that, we're not perfect. And we're we're just, we're just, we're just striving to to do the best we can with what we've been given. That that's the bottom line. Yeah. And when under just the understanding, and this goes back to religion, but it also doesn't just the understanding that humans by definition are flawed and they, they, we're just, we're just all flawed. There's no, there's no such thing as a perfect human being. Once you start to understand that, you can start to just apply grace uh, to others and, and just sit there and say, you know, hey, they, maybe they were doing their best. They, they really screwed up here. They really even hurt me or, or hurt other folks. But uh, they're flawed just like I am. So why am I sitting here judging them for what they did when I know, I know that I'm, I'm not perfect and I've made a lot of mistakes and, and I don't want people judging me for those. It's just amazing how quick people are to judge when they are oftentimes in the same boat with the people that they're judging. Yeah, oh, absolutely. All right. Well, I just want to touch on that because I think it's fascinating and I'm trying to learn about 
you know, what I believe in and why. So I like talking to other people about what they believe in. Now, the business overall, let's get back to dirt. As far as what you are doing to modernize the business, you said your father-in-law, Tom, definitely old school, um, definitely, you know, that last generation of earth movers. Uh, what, what are you doing to modernize the business? What do you think needs to change in our industry to ensure that, that, and, and, or, and, you know, what do you think your business needs to do to change and adapt to ensure that, that WITTECH is ne- around for the next few decades? A great question. Um, and I think we're always modifying it, to be honest with you. That's, yeah. I think that's, that's an ever-changing, revolving door, you know. You're, you're always modifying and editing. But staying on top of, you know, technology, the latest and greatest, mm-hmm. um, it's always hard to, like, try new things, you know. And uh, we're trying to get into drones more, which I know several earthwork companies just in our area have been doing drones for years now. Yep. You know, we're just we're just starting to break into it. So I think we're behind the eight ball on some things. I think on other things we're, we're, we're doing, you know, we're right there with the latest. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing is just to be open to change, be open to if, if uh, an employee comes, we always kind of leave the door open to an employee for an idea, you know, and, and hear it out, hear the, hear the employee out, hear that manager out, you know, on, Hey, what if we do this? Or what if we, what if we try this a little differently? You know, we're, we're open to that. I think you have to be, you know, our people here are, are better than we are as far as, you know, we hire, we, I like to think we hire the best and we train the best, you know, and so that getting their opinion is, is, is important. So that, that would, uh, that's one thing on the, the, you know, technology side of things. The other thing we're trying to do, we're trying to just stay up on the latest and greatest earth moving equipment. Yeah. You know, we do a lot with mobile track. And, uh, we do a lot with, uh, deer, cat, and, um, you know, just staying on top of what's the latest they got cooking. We tried out some prototypes this year, prototype machines. Sometimes they break, you know, but other times they work out for the, for the best. So I think, uh, being open to try out, you know, a, a vendor's latest and greatest dozer, latest and greatest scraper, pole pan, you know, something simple like a rollerblade, you know, a disc. You know, if it does it better, you know, if there's a potential for it to do it better, more efficient, more cost effective, what what, what have you, um, easier to work on for the mechanics, you know, try it out, see how it goes. And we've been really open to that. And uh, uh, we, I can tell you for sure, we've benefited from it. Yep. Um, so um, you've seen some of the, the prototype machines we've ran this year. And, uh, you know, we've shared a little bit about pros and cons. Um, but I think we're, I think some of the stuff that, we're trying out we're, we're potentially you know working on with a, with vendors is, is uh positive stuff stuff that could change up our dirt world here well it's so funny how resistant to change people are in this industry for for no real reason for no good reason like the like the prototypes you're talking about i've shared one of them from mobile track on my social media and, and it's just amazing how quickly people are to dismiss it as the stupidest thing they've ever seen in their life and explain why it's never going to work, even though they've never seen it in person. They have no understanding of it. They have no understanding of what the particular applications are. They're just saying, well, that's not going to work with what I do. It's like, okay, great. Yeah, maybe it's not going to work with what you do, but what you do is not what everyone else does. It's dirt in, in Chicago might be completely different than dirt in California, you dummy. It's it, it and it's representative of, of a lot of the industry. People are just so quick to, well, that's stupid. And in the companies that reverse that trend and, and are saying, you know, hey, maybe there is a better machine for this, or maybe there is a better way to do it, are gonna just trounce these older school mentality companies. I think long term. Yeah, no, I, we've been able to be more efficient and and lower unit costs to the customer based on the technology we're using yeah. and, and, and with all that, you win more work, you know, guys are, guys wonder, you know, hey, they're doing that job for nothing. You know, there they are again, doing it for nothing. Well, are we, or are we just f- trying to figure out a way to, have we found a way to, to do it more efficiently than we did it last year? Yep. You know, and uh, that, that, that's the mentality we, we, we are trying to keep and, and, and it's working, it's working well. Um, it's paying, it's paid off. And, and we're open to, we're open to more. Sometimes the, the biggest problem is, is having the time to sit down with somebody and hear them 
You know, yeah. we get a lot of, we get a lot of people, you know, a lot of vendors and, you know, Hey, I got this. Do you want to try this? And, you know, you wish you could say yes to everything, you know, cause there's a lot of cool, there's a lot. If you can spend an hour, you know, just to check out the latest and greatest stuff, it, there is a lot of neat stuff out there. So yeah, be open to it. That's my advice. Try it out. Well, fortunately you tried us out a little bit ago now. Yeah. yeah. Um, Going to just the, the scale of what you guys do in the Chicago market, why is there so much dirt to move in Chicago? Because it's, I mean, there's not, it's not very hilly. It's, it's pretty flat. You know, so you're not like in California and you're not just like leveling these mountains or anything like that. And yet you guys are on some of these jobs moving, you know, millions of yards of material in the middle of the city. What's, what's the nature of the earthwork in the Midwest in, in the Chicago market that requires so much earth moving? Uh, good question. Um, I want on a, on a side note, faithfully moving mountains was a tagline for us at the beginning of our build with conversation. And, uh, Tom and I still battle with that one. So they said, there's no mountains in there's no mountains in the yeah. Chicagoland area. So yeah. I, we can't have that. We still, we still go back and forth about that one. Yep. He says, well, we move enough dirt to move a mountain. Said, yep. Okay. Whatever. But, um, no, the, what's thriving here for us is the kind of that e-commerce logistics distribution world. And then everything kind of stems then from there. So then the distribution, these, these large building pads, these massive parking lots for these for truck trailer storage, these huge earthwork jobs. That's that's what that's where we're getting our yardage out of. These even you would look at something as a cornfield and it's flat to begin with. You know some of these pads we're building for some of these buildings span over 1.4 million square foot. Wow! And that's one floor. And, you know, and then you have the associated parking for that drainage, you know, for stormwater runoff. So the yardage creeps up pretty fast with, with projects that size. And then, uh, in result of that, you know, you're, we get quarry work, overburden removal work, just because of the, these mass quantities of aggregate for these buildings. You know, the sweep, we put all the rock down underneath the slabs on grade for these building pads concrete pavement areas sometimes for the paver under the asphalt pavement so yeah that these these that's that's what's kind of driving it here in the midwest i would say right now the most that's probably a good 70 percent of our work is uh in the distribution e-commerce commercial industrial sector um and then over in uh over in northwest indiana um is the housing you know just another housing boom you know we do just a ton of uh site prep for you know roads and house pads ponds for uh the residential market so and the yardage just creeps up on those two they're just so they're just large we did a a 300 home site this past year we did a few other ones not quite as large but um the yardage adds up pretty quick out there too but why like on this big like a million square foot warehouse pad for example why can't i just if it's already flat if it's already this cornfield why can't i just build my warehouse on this pad why do i have to go move hundreds of thousands of yards of dirt to make it happen well you got to get it to drain so drainage is you know drainage 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 Mm. it should be in every dirt guy's head but um the these pads are flat you could you could just go put it out you know set it right out there but then everything around it would be a be a hole you know, mm-hmm. your loading docks are usually four foot lower for, for all of your, the trucks to be able to back into these buildings to get loaded and offloaded. So the, your, your, your grade around the entire building is automatically going to be four foot lower, gotcha. you know, at least on your dock sides. Yep. Um, and then you got your, all your storm water from your roof, you know, your roof has to get down into, into the, into your pavement line, your pavement lines are taking your storm water runoff into your, your ponds. So everything's got to, you know, everything's gravity, right? So if you're starting flat, you don't really have anywhere to go and you're not going to pump it out of the job site. So typically when you see something that's flat, it has to get raised. So you got to pull it up out of the ground. Gotcha. You know, you got it. So that way you're at your lowest point, you're out for your water. It's kind of like your starting point. So where, where's water going out at? Where will water naturally leave this 150 acre development um, naturally, you know, without, yeah, okay. Could you have a pump system set up to where you're actually, you know, lift station, you're pumping your stormwater out. I've mm-hmm. seen projects that that does happen. Not ideal, but typically the reason for all this earthwork is 
because you're starting flat and you need to make, you know, you have this huge area of water runoff from roofs and pavement that you have to construct these massive basins. And then you have to, where's that out? That out's important where that water's got to, got to leave at the end of the job. Makes perfect sense. Can you get into the, um, the, the job you guys did with all the trash? Like what are some of these sites like closer to Chicago these sites that have never been developed before that are now being developed because that means they were previously so unsuitable. No one's wanted to touch them until recently where, you know, land started to run out. So then they need to get into these sites that are kind of a mess. What, what are some of these light sites like, you know, not all of them are these beautiful farm fields, like the one we just went to. Some of them are pretty messed up. What's, what's the kind of stuff you have to deal with? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how we got into the, you can't, this this sector we went after the projects that nobody else wanted to do so you get these uh you get these projects that are just in the outlying areas of the city you know the west side southwest side south sides of the city where there may have been an old there may be were three or four buildings smaller buildings there at one time and they we they've been bought demoed and now you're doing a site redevelopment so we it's a specialty of ours. We, we don't, we don't run away from those jobs. The, the job with all the unsuitable material on, you know, that, pro- that project was part old subdivision that never took off. Mm. So that was a uh, old streets, curb and gutter, gas, water, water main that was leaking all over the place, sanitary lines, uh, force mains, um, old communication cables, there's telephone poles everywhere. Um, and then the other half of the job was a, like an IEPA environmentally, you know, I wouldn't call it the bad stuff, but it was, uh, there was some questionable material, hazardous material on the project. Mm-hmm. So you have to be really careful on those kinds of sites that, you know, sometimes you, that you have to almost treat like two separate jobs, so to speak, all the material on that, in that one spot has to remain in that one spot or it has to get hauled away and go to the certified disposal dump, you know? So, the coordination in those jobs to, okay, well, yeah, we have this hundred and I think that site was about 125 acres. So we have this 125 acre site, 40 acres of it is its own project. And the rest of it, we can, you know, kind of logistically set up the earthwork to, to work like a normal project. But the other one is, you know, this other one, we, we have to have a different game plan. A lot of these jobs require environmental caps, environmental barriers, Mm-hmm. So you got to put uh, like a fabric down. Your that would be in like your green space. Put a fabric down, geo, geotextile fabric, and then uh, we import a lot of topsoil. You know, certified, clean, pretty stringent requirements by the IEPA for these sites that um, may have been hazardous at one time that was cleaned up. Yep. Um. So we'll haul topsoil honestly from our developments, cornfield developments. You know, we might have a large stockpile of topsoil from a residential development. We don't need all of it for individual lot respread. So we'll take topsoil from those projects further south of the city and we'll run that topsoil up into the city to, you know, respread these. Cause these, these jobs in the city are just as big as these jobs in the cornfield. Yep. So you can imagine the amount of topsoil you'd have to import to jobs like this. Cause there's really, you, you'll start on a job that doesn't have an ounce of green space on it anywhere. So, but you're gonna create green space with this new development. So you have to, all this material is trucked in. So yeah, it's a different, it's a different world. The soil is always variable out there. One job and uh, we did just in the south side of the city had a lot of uh, cinder material, um, mainly from maybe the fire. Um, but, you know, that stuff, it's different, but you work in it, rain or shine, you know, it, it, it actually works. It actually works pretty well. You can run 740s on it pretty easily. It doesn't pump like clay. You know, so that there's 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 money to be made in in those redevelopment sites. They're they're difficult, but if you're up for the challenge, they're pretty neat. Yeah, the 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 different amounts of soil that you guys have to deal with is pretty pretty incredible. Like that one site with all that cinder material on it, or that next site with trash all over it, or the next site with rock that you guys are drilling and shooting in in, in Chicago, which is just crazy. Or you go to a, a farm field and you have these nice clays buried underneath all this this muck. It's yeah. it seems like every single job you guys have is completely different soil conditions than the last, which 
I have not seen too many regions like that. Most everywhere is pretty consistent across the board, whereas you guys are just dealing with all sorts of crazy stuff. Well, and, and that's why I think it's important to, to to be open to options that vendors have, equipment dealers have. Yeah. You know, because they're they're looking at the same things you're looking at, you know, and and uh, the they're coming up with solutions for you. You know, it's all just that's why we we try to. You know, we had a we had a quad track prototype quad track that we we had a really swampy area in a base in a basin we were trying to it was a compensatory storage basin it was probably like a twenty acre basin and we couldn't drive we couldn't really get a wide track LGP dozer down in this thing without making a mess you know rutting it up pumping and we drove a we drove a quad track prototype tractor down into the swamp with a 30 yard pan, 33 yard pan, got a load and pulled out of it. Wild. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you, you know, you just try stuff, see what happens. Do we break a lot of stuff? Oh yeah. But you know, it's worth a shot. That's what you're supposed to do though. If you're not breaking stuff, you're not using it to its uh, fullest potential there. Yeah. Yeah. Vendors don't always appreciate it, but no. you know, we'll definitely find out if it, if it works or not for you. Yeah, but the, the, the vendors and the equipment companies and the engineers that think that contractors are going to use it, their equipment, to what they're recommending, are they're complete idiots. I, I, I've never met one single contractor or serious earth mover that actually uses the equipment to exactly what the specifications are. They're always there to just push the limits wherever they possibly can. And I think they find like find joy in pushing the limits on equipment to just see, like, yeah, we, we got this machine to break when they said it wouldn't break. Like they're, they're stoked about it because their job site was that rough. <laughs> yeah. It cracks me up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, well, or, or like your, your trucks, for example, like I like how you guys do it where, you know, you just load the trucks to as much as they possibly can carry. If they break, you fix them. Like there's more money in just hauling as much material as possible than trying to protect your, your truck from, from, failure, which I like, there's multiple ways to go about that, but I like the mentality of, you know, it's there to use. If it fits in the box, put it in there. And if it breaks, you repair it and you put it back. Like that's what a truck is for. It's not, it's not here to just baby and make sure, Oh no, we don't have the right tonnage in this one. It's just like, just load the damn thing up and send it down the road. Yeah, no. And if you notice too, I'm sure you saw, we, we run a lot of old trucks. Yep. We run like the old B one P serial number, Cat 740s, yep. the A model truck, and there's there's less restrictions in them. They're they're more powerful. We've had better luck with them. Um, so a lot of our, I mean, some of our trucks have twenty thousand hours on them, you know, and and some of them have have had stress cracks in the frames, you know, where we've had to put plates on them and put put some investment back into the units. But for the most part, on these these larger Caterpillar pieces, you know, we just rebuild them. They're they're made to last, and you know, yeah. You, you have all your maintenance stuff and you, yeah, things are going to break and yes, do older machines break more than newer machines. Sure. But we've had great luck with some of our older stuff and just rebuilding it, keep running it. And, and you see what we do. I mean, you've said it here and we load the snot out of the stuff and we work our equipment, you know, but it takes it. It, it, it's proven, you know, we do it every day. We can test for it. So, yep. Well, it's a lot of fun to see. So I'm excited to come back out in the, in the spring when you guys are full bore again. Yeah, no, we're looking we're looking forward to it. Sweet. Um, anything we you want to touch on? I guess uh, as far as hiring goes, you guys are a union shop. So it's is it Operators Union? Is it 150 up there? Yeah, the local 150 is the is the operators union in our area. Yep. And then we have uh, uh, a laborers union. Um, there's several numbers for the Chicagoland, Northwest Indiana, Indiana area. But yeah, we're, we're a union shop. So, um, you know, we, we hire out of local union halls for the operators. So it's a little bit different than um, other parts of the U S but uh, we get qualified, we get qualified operators, qualified laborers. They, they run through apprenticeship programs through the unions. When they first get into the first get into the union, they run, they have to go through a, through a apprenticeship program, which, kind of starts laying the groundwork for the tools of the trade. And while they're in the apprenticeship, they're also working for somebody. So it gives them the, the experience in the field, 
but also the experience at a training site yep. to, you know, get acclimated with whatever piece of equipment, whether, you know, the, the haul truck or scraper, um, disc, quad track, whatever, whatever, backhoe, you know, it gives them that, gives them that experience both ways. So we're, we're, it works well for us. You know, we, we like to think that all of our people are people, you know, and uh, we treat people like we hired them direct, you know, but unions sometimes get a bad rap, but, um, you know, we, we, We've, we've had a great relationship with all of our local unions in this area and, and they're, we have great people and they're all union employees and they show up to work every day. They work hard, you know, they work safe, something we really haven't touched on, but that's something I, I can't thank our people enough for is the, just the amount of, the amount of work we got done this year. And then I stated earlier that this has been our best year as a company since 2001, when we were, we started, this has been our best year ever. And, uh, we've worked a lot of hours, um, almost i don't know if it's triple the hours it's at least double the man hours of last year and uh all the guys all our people everybody's done a fantastic job of, of, of being safe and then watching out for one another oh and going to that uh you guys didn't didn't recently you wanted a award with ryan companies we did yeah i was honored to re- that was our first award for safety um yeah. as a company yeah. It was great. Um, we had we had several large projects with Ryan Companies uh, U.S. They're a large uh, developer throughout the country, and um, we we received their safety award. So yeah, it was pretty awesome to receive it. Pretty humbling, and uh, yeah, just hats off to our whole team for getting it done for for, for getting the award. Pretty cool. And if people yeah. want to learn more about you guys, I think the website is wittechexcavating.com. And that's W I T with tech company.com That's correct. All right. See, I don't even know you guys URL. I probably should know that. So with tech company.com and it's W I T E C H. Yep. Gotcha. You got it. Sweet. Okay. Mr. Nick. Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap this thing up. Awesome. Well, Hey, appreciate you having me on. Appreciate the work that you guys, your whole team, the whole build what team's doing for Wittech. It's been a been an awesome ride so far and excited to keep it going. All right. Yeah, let's keep it going. I'm excited. And um yeah, yeah, no, it's just been awesome seeing you guys grow this year and I can't wait for the next few years here. So I appreciate your time today. And um that's another episode of Dirt Talk. So hopefully you learned something and, and keep on sharing it. It's been awesome. Again, I, I we uh Spotify came out with their year in review this week. If you haven't noticed, if you're on social media, you've definitely noticed everyone sharing their damn music preferences. But it's been cool seeing how many people have their their top podcast as Dirt Talk, which is just mind-boggling. I joke about having three people listen to it, but there are more than three people. I hate to admit it, but it really is starting to spread. Um, this year, we're almost at 200,000 downloads for the year. I think we'll get there before year end. And we got big goals for next year. We got a podcast studio coming down the road and, and a whole lot of other people coming down the pipeline as far as who we're going to be talking to. So keep on sharing it. I appreciate everyone listening. And with that, we'll see you on the next one.